what is your opinion on the Tim Horton donut? I've had better. Ooh, you might Honest? get draw. I've heard, and I don't know. So again, I have no idea, but I've heard that is a contentious statement to make. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and that was a sample from today's conversation with Darren Dickey from Another Bad Side Quest at Another BS Quest on Twitter. Today, we talk about homebrewing content, handling seven players at the table, low magic worlds, meat muffins, Brussels sprouts, and so much more. If you want to hear a bonus conversation with Darren after the main episode, or you just want to support the podcast in general and help fund future endeavors, consider a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get exclusive access to bonus minisodes every single week, as well as access to the entire catalog of bonus content. That's four additional episodes every month for only $5. So if you enjoy your conversation today, don't forget to head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Let's get on with the conversation. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. And as I said in the intro, we are joined today by Darren Dickey from Another Bad Side Quest at Another BS Quest on Twitter. Darren, thank you so much for joining me at the Dungeons & Dinners table. Oh, thank you for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Great. Well, for the uninitiated, uh, Darren is a YouTuber, streamer, he's got a live stream and a bunch of other things. So if you wouldn't mind taking the floor for a little bit and introducing yourself and what you do in the TTRPG space. Yes, uh, my name is Darren. Um, I am the Game Master Dungeon Master for the live stream actual play Another Bad Side Quest. Uh, we stream on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on our Twitch channel. Um, I've been... Oh, how long has it been now? I've been doing it for about two and a half years. Um, you know, I bring other people in from the TTRPG community and we do, uh, short one shots at the same time, but trying to incorporate as many people as we can. Um, I have a one shot going with, uh, Lovecraft D&D, Romancing the Dungeon, uh, Orc from Orc, Tasty Doom podcasts. So just creating all that kind of content for people. Uh, I don't know. It's what I do. And then we throw it up on YouTube and we do other stuff there's a bunch of other things we have in the bag um i can or cannot say that we are doing another youtube series um i've been told i need to express my knowledge as a dungeon master to the world i'm uh, being forced to do this by my cast <laughs> so i we do, we do a lot we we try to entertain um the best we can we want to be uh credited as like a show and not like an actual play we want people to forget that they're watching people playing dungeons and dragons so we right. take our aspect of our story very seriously um everything is not fully homebrewed but homebrewed to the sense that we have a wiki because there's so much going on now and it's just grown into something i didn't expect it would be in any way shape or form so what we do in the TTRPG community is everything, nothing, and everything in between. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I know that there are, it, it can be really hard to distinguish yourself in the rise of the, in the last, I, I would dare say maybe up to five years or so, the kind of real expansion of D&D &D on YouTube and on Twitch uh, of course, somewhat in part, thanks to Critical Role, I think otherwise it would have probably happened any if it wasn't then, uh, you know, Adventure Zone was doing it. There's several others that have been yeah. out there in the space for a while that have kind of been snowballing this effect. But I think even without them, it probably would have happened anyway, just because of the nature of the Internet and yeah. somewhat fifth edition. And with that kind of said, it can it can be difficult to break away from the pack. And you mentioned, you know, a really heavy focus on story and trying to bring in the veil and get people to pay attention that to not feel like they're watching D and D. Yes. Are there other things that you do to help break yourself away from that pack? Um. Yes, we. I try to do everything as cohesively live as possible. Um, we have uh, backing tracks through the entire show. 
that are made through Sirenscape and Epidemic Sound. Like we, I build a specific soundscape for every scenario. Um, another thing that we try to do is, um, oh, how do I do? How do I explain this in a way that says you're not really allowed to? I don't allow breaking of character to the best of the ability to include for that kind of immersion and um there's a couple other things but uh, it's not it's a harder thing to explain especially no i get it is it is a pretty ephemeral question there um to to get a little bit more specific to something that you might be able to speak on though is in when you speak of trying to keep things like metagaming and breaking of character down like of course that's you know something that i think can be really important i think that metagaming you know it's fine to metagame if that's the scenario that you're in like a bunch of buddies in a home game not you know not really worried about it but when you're dealing with an intense scenario uh probably with uh the the biggest spellcaster in your group or whoever has the most options um how do you I because I've seen it run a bunch of different ways. I've had positive and negative experiences with like the six seconds around sort of thing. Mm, okay, How do yeah. you deal with somebody who's wants to say more than six seconds worth, but doesn't want to metagame? Like, is there do you have any contention with that? Or is that something your players are pretty open to? My my players are really, really good. So here's the thing. I run seven PCs. Okay. I don't, I don't run four, five, six. I have run seven individuals, so I have to be a bit, bit hard knock on a certain things to keep things moving and keep things flowing. As for the meta aspect, for like the magic user, the world's actually kind of low magic, so we don't really have a whole bunch of like magic users going on. But I actually don't have to do a whole lot. My players are good enough that they catch themselves meta gaming and then stop. Or they catch somebody else doing it and tell them that they wouldn't know that. So I really don't do a whole lot in that regard. They actually like police themselves. That's really honorable. <laughs> yeah. And the amount of honor like I actually give my players and the trust I give them is quite a lot because we don't roll dice digitally. We actually roll dice in real life. And so, you know, I have to trust them on what they roll. But if it's like one natural 22 natural 23 natural 20, we do have a discord chat where it's like picture it didn't happen. So <laughs> right, sometimes right. I will call for a picture during the stream and that's them like proving to me. But I don't, you know, I've given them that trust and they've given that back and being very honest about it. But when it comes to like a smaller situation, um, I would more or less slow the process down and be like, you wouldn't know that because you're not there or you right. wouldn't be able to see that because of this scenario and stuff. Like I would call it out and say that I understand what you're getting at, but your character doesn't know that. That's fair. I'm, and I think that that's what, yeah, no, I think that that's a fine distinction. And I think, again, I don't think that it's a right or wrong way to play. I think seven players is a lot to handle. Um, even for an experienced, uh, a game master of any type that, that that's a, that can be, it can be a lot. Um, it can be really smooth again, like there's, there's a spectrum for all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, but having those players be really keen and kind of self-policing definitely helps a lot. And I think that the more players you have, the more that you sometimes have to lean into that rule of like, we've got to keep things going. We've got to keep up the pace, you know, like trying not to, trying not to put pressure on players, but kind of walk that fine line of narrative story versus, everyone's individual highlights as well yeah and that's one of the things with doing it as a stream and us being you know digital and international like i live in canada the majority of our players live in the usa and then one of our players is from australia so when it came down to finding the people to be a part of I guess you would say the second run of ABSQ because I did it once before. Um, you know, it's been really, really critical to always, excuse me, review our position and be open about the faults that we have in certain scenarios um, because we all agree to want to create something bigger and better for people to watch. So we're always, not just me as the the game master, but 
everybody kind of points out little bits that somebody else is doing or, you know, you know, you're getting real talkative and not letting some of the other people talk. Da, 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 da. So we always kind of keep up on each other, which is really nice. So like the group that I have and that I run and that are a part of ABSQ right now, a lot of the things that some game masters deal with, I don't because everybody's so keen and adamant to want to do this that they they take it upon themselves so highly to make sure that they don't metagame or take the limelight they try to share the space they engage with the other characters stories like i wish every game i ever would have ran would have been like people like this because some of the experiences would have been a little bit better yeah, you, you sound like you have a bit of a dream team going on over there. <laughs> it, it, I mean, we, we have our faults and stuff like that. I mean, as one of our players, Zach, and he'll probably listen to this, and Zach, I love you, but sometimes I got to slap Zach around a little bit and tell him to smarten up. But, <laughs> no, we we all, you know, came into it working first. Like, it was a blind audition. Right. I auditioned people through the internet, ran through the process of like running through one shots and all this other kind of stuff. I didn't want seven players. I did not want seven players. I wanted a maximum of six. And I couldn't do it. Like I could not do it. I could not whittle it down to six. There were the seven that there were. And I'm like, they're all really good people. They all seem like they'd be really great for it. So let's just try. And I'm happy that I did because everybody involved is so good. Like, my cast runs the wiki. I do right. nothing. That's awesome. <laughs> You're like, um, I, I need a spelling check. I'm like, okay, hey, what? <laughs> For the world and everything. So it's been... Is that two apostrophes or three? <laughs> K-R-A apostrophe a at <laughs> You know, one of those. Well, so that does... So you started to kind of hit on a question that I had, which is that it seems like with you talking about auditioning for play that this was taken pretty seriously from the get-go um yeah so do you want to kind of talk to that at all like why you came to that idea or if like was there was this all like your design or did you have like any of were any of the players uh kind of co-patriots in this or was it this all your your force <sighs> Okay, so this is going to get into into something that's it's actually open knowledge to some people, but the downfall of why this started the first time. So I... We'll go back. We'll go back to the start, start, start. Okay. About two years ago, um, before COVID, quarantine, all this kind of stuff, I wanted to start a D&D podcast because... I, I played D&D for a long time. I listened to not another D&D podcast, Critical Role, Dimension 20, all this kind of stuff. Why can't we tell a good story and not have a big budget? So I started it with some friends in the town that I was living. Um, and you know, it was good. I did the editing, stuff like that. And then quarantine hit. What do we do? So we immediately had to start thinking about going digital. So I had to take another bad side quest and just put it aside. Some of the people that were a part of it didn't know how to take digital like seriously or how to figure everything out. So one of the people that I had been working with um, wanted to run his own show, like his own D&D stream. I'm like, okay. So he was the one that originally did like the audition process for that cast. And I was a player in that cast. So that all kind of happened, and that went on and went moving. Progress, mm, six, seven months of doing that, it was all under my company that I had started, which is now defunct and liquefied. Uh, that was Toothless Entertainment. And I had always wanted to do something that was a bit, bit bigger, a bit more serious, a bit more in the feels like watching a TV show and they were very, you know, open to breaking, breaking the walls of breaking character and making these jokes and puns. There were a lot of other controversial topics that came up involving politics, yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. So they 
decided to go on without me. I was like, okay, that's fine. And I will be open about this. It, it, it was a bit chapping on how it happened, but I don't, I don't hold any ill will for them. They can continue doing what they're doing. Uh, anybody wants to go and check them out, Wicked and Fun Co., uh, Twitch, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. They do D&D, Magic the Gathering streams. They're, they're good people. But as a working aspect, it didn't work out. Yeah, just had differing differing viewpoints that you wanted to traverse. I I totally yes. get that. I've I've been in games that have had uh, you know all friends, all gaming, and there's just it's it's nothing too personal. It may it may be kind of personal in the moment, but overall, it didn't ruin any friendships. It was just like maybe we shouldn't have this game together because we want different things out of it. Yeah. And and sometimes that doesn't all. You can run as many session zeros as you want sometimes six eight months down the road things change and yeah and it well it was also one of those things of ideals for what was going to be different like what they saw it being and what i saw it being because i was the one that was paying dividends for the company uh small dividends at that point because we're not major but so that happened and so then i'm sitting there with nothing i i put all the work into a bunch of different things i'm going okay I want to continue, but I'm going to, I hate the word doing it, but I'm going to do it right and not to be like egotistical, but I'm going to do it my way. Right. I'm going to do the way that I want to do it. So I sat down, I literally sat down with my notebook and wrote ABSQ Redux. How? Question <laughs> mark. And I went, I went through all the steps. Right. And the blind audition to me over the internet one worked best because I could be very upfront and blunt about what was intended. One of the cast, how the show was intended to be and the seriousness that we were trying to put behind it. So the people that would audition for it understood that that is where like the the road was going. This is what the intent of it was. And I got upwards of a hundred auditions. Start whittling that down. Start whittling that down. I get I get it down to how many people? Sixteen. And that's because like I'd, I'd email people back. If they email me back, so we'd start doing this back and forth. Then I do the blind audition. And it went well, like all the auditions went well, but there was one, one group specifically, which is basically the cast that was a part of an audition. And all I did, and I, I this is how I knew that these were the ones that I wanted involved. Because all I did was like, you're doing a one shot. It's a heist. You're level eight. That's all the information I gave them. That's it. From there, they're all a group. They're a band that is not a band. They're all rogues to some degree. Everybody, of has, everybody has a three in one <laughs> stat for whatever reason. They just decided to do that. So everybody's got the worst dumb stats. Um, and yeah, they built this insane, ridiculous party of individuals on just the information that I gave them was like, this is what you're doing. Here's your level. You're in water deep. And that's what they came up with. And I'm like, these are the people that I want involved. This is the creativity that I'm looking for. So is this like a second round or like i guess technically like the third round interview is that they got to all play together with each other yeah. was this their like first time kind of meeting each other or were they the, i i had everybody in a discord server which is now okay. like our main discord server um but yeah I, i'd put everybody i wanted in a discord server and this is yeah round three so this is like everybody's like starting to talk and stuff but the one shot was everybody actually meeting each other for the first time awesome and it was it was literal gold i'm so upset i never actually recorded that one shot audition but it was it's always how it goes it was pure 
gold. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> uh. That, uh, so I guess that kind of leans into now auditions have been made. You, you run them all through. Was, was that one shot at, by that time? Had you decided that you were going to keep all seven or was this kind of like the final, like, we'll see if we cut it down to six or not. This was the cut it down because that last audition, which is basically the cast was six individuals minus one right. minus the other one that I brought in. And I, I sat for two days looking at a list of names, just like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can get rid of one of these people. I don't think I can right. or like two of these people. Like I can't. I argued with myself so much over it. And then I was like, you know what? If it becomes an issue, I'm going to try to figure it out, but I'm going to have to go with seven people. And it so, just... yeah, no, that's, I, I think that that's, I think it's awesome that you did because it sounds like you've got, you got the player base that you wanted kind of, kind of perfectly. Um, Enough. but did you, so I guess this kind of like the one shots level eight, do you start, uh, a absq at level one or do you guys start at a higher level since you seem like you have a little bit more experienced players some of them are experienced some actually aren't that experienced um really we start yes there's we have a video on our youtube called reasons why and it's kind of everybody giving a little explanation of like how nice. long they played and stuff like that it's all like cut together um we started absq at level three okay that's a solid level to start I, I wanted I wanted character ideas at least to be at the point of having a subclass for those that needed to at least be at that level for our fighter, um, our uh, monk and all the other kind of stuff. So I wanted that at least. I wanted them to be low enough level so that there was a lot of growth able to happen within the campaign, but I didn't want to have it at level one where it's like, a gelatinous cube will turn you into goo. Right. So yeah. I gave them that. A few rats might cause you trouble. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're going to, they're going to nod your toes and you're going to fall over dead. So that's right. It goes happen. one of two ways. Like goblins can be a lot more of a significant threat than most people think they are. Cause they're like, oh, yeah. it's just goblins. Like, no, if a goblin crits, you're dead. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> that's just it. <laughs> yeah. If a goblin, like, you know, even gets in that 20. It's, pull out pull out the blank character sheet yep, start just re-roll <laughs> pretty much so speaking of creatures though with seven players uh cr even by calculator standards is got to be difficult to manage mm -hmm. um you're you you call a more narrative focused game but i'm sure that combat happens because it's D D. so how mm -hmm. do you handle uh trying to balance encounters uh it takes a bit of work yeah, because as you said, the CR rating doesn't justify anything with seven players. I, the CR rating to me doesn't even work with five people. It really doesn't. It doesn't no. work to begin with. No. But it's, you can take any two CR three creatures and they are vastly different in in action economy. And it's not, it's never really explained what the calculation is or why. Like there's some rough math, but even that doesn't really hold true. Yeah. So with with that, and as I've said, it's more story focused, it's more role play focused. So the combat that happens is I've said this to my players, extremely deadly. If you're gonna get in Fair. combat, it's gonna be dangerous. And even even I have to adjust a little bit. You know, I throw something at them that's dangerous, they handle it okay. It's like, all right, let's just up the stakes now. And I'm not I'm not one about taking that dial and just turning it up a little bit on the players. I'm not because it needs to be combat needs to be worth it, in my opinion, for it to happen. You either need to be terrified that you're going to die outright or you need to have the wherewithal in your brain to run away. Right. So it, it it's hard because you want them to fight stuff. You don't want them to feel overpowered because there's seven of them. Right. So sometimes just throw something at them to scare them and make them run away to make them think maybe we shouldn't always get into combat. 
Because there was a point there where they were starting to get a little testy. Like you, most parties do, they start to poke the bear mm-hmm. a little bit, right? Yep. And I don't want my players to get away with shenanigans, but <laughs> you know, they, they poke the bear a little bit. And I'm like, all right, bear pokes well, back. Bear and they're po- like, we yeah. don't like that. We don't like that. Well, that's what happens when you poke the Yeah. Um, so I think that one of the other things that really kind of draws my attention with seven players is just action economy. Like, I think that's mm. the biggest thing that nukes anything in CR is action economy, even at, especially w- without things like haste or action surge or anything else, just seven players. It's hard to throw any single monster because the players could all theoretically kill it in one round. And if you make a monster big enough that can't be killed in one round, if they don't kill it in one round, that could kill any player in a single hit. Yeah. So so I imagine that you're probably having to run a lot more small and medium-sized stuff. Is that the case? Um, that actually has worked in my favor. Um, in our fifth episode, The Burrow, I basically have like a horde of kobold raids the tavern that they're staying in. Um, and that was interesting because kobolds, they're not that difficult, right? Even nope. for like level three, they're not that bad. Level four, they're not that bad. But put a bunch of them together, give a couple of them some special abilities, and then right. like always, always throw in something for a surprise. Mm-hmm. All right. So when the kobolds died, three rounds would go by, like three turns would go by, and then the kobolds' corpse would just explode. Ooh. There was, like, reasons behind why that happened. But, I mean, like, throw, when you're challenging your players in combat, don't just throw big monsters at them. Throw status conditions at them. Throw environment at them. Throw scenarios at them. Right? I'm not about just, you know, putting something big in front of my players and going, kill it. Although I've done that once. I mean, it's it's a useful, it's a useful tool. I don't think that every tool's a hammer in in that mm-hmm. scenario, though. No, but it's it's hard because it comes down to, like you said, if this can't die in one turn, then it should, it's probably going to kill somebody in one turn. So I I go a lot more for the aspect of like environmental hazards, like there's always something going on outside of the physical combat that the players need to worry about, like more monsters coming into combat or in one instance, it was like combat and a chase at the same time. Nice. Which was really hard to run. I hate running chases, but they it's, there's not a good digital tool for running a chase. No, you either got to select all and move all the tokens back around and say that that's the, and then move the map forward and do things with that. Like it's harder. It's even harder physically but digitally doesn't do us a lot of favors either. I, I just, I was just like, no map. We're just doing this in the head. <laughs> yep. Um. So it sounds like not just the world is homebrewed, but that's kind of my jam is throwing in a lot of homebrew in monsters and environment. I I love a a crowd of screaming people is difficult terrain. Period. Yeah. Like you're bumping shoulder, you're going the opposite direction of the flow of traffic. It's instantly difficult terrain. You're going to be moving at half speed, trying to get your way through the crowd. Yeah. But I think that like so much fun for me is in surprising, especially like new players as well, but especially experienced players. Like they know that if they're playing in a game with me, they can't meta because the meta doesn't exist. Yeah. Because, I've modified, even if you're fighting the the lowliest kobold or goblin or rat, something is up with that critter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I play it the same way, right? Like the monster manual and like uh, my, my free pitch, anything made by kobold press, mage hand press, hit point press, all those resources, amazing. Use them. Yes. I do personally all the mm-hmm. time, but... Mine you prior find... editions too. The, oh, 3.5 yeah. has like what four or five monster manuals. Not yeah, and counting, I started, like, I started playing in 3.5. And so it's just yeah, like, like you go back. Pull, go back and pull, go into monster manual, especially three and four where things get weird. Oh, and then yeah. just pull an ability off of a creature in there and put it on one and five. <laughs> 4e combat's got some of the best abilities ever. I steal mm-hmm. from 4e combat all the time. I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm taking this, I'm taking this, I'm taking this. 
So yeah, everything is homebrewed in the sense that the meta in combat can't exist because there isn't anything that's standard enough to be the same. Right. And that's that's how a lot of it has to go when you're running seven players because everybody has backstories. Everybody gave me extensive backstories. So I'm like, all right. All this like has to do all this intertwining kind of stuff. So there's so much so much homebrew that's gone on. It's you know, I I, I can't even say that it's like partially Dungeons and Dragons anymore. We're not high <laughs> I mean, we're high fantasy, but we're the technology's advanced, it's very Victorian. It's like how I have a thing on on Twitter when I promote the show, and it's like everything boils down to subgenre. Right. So I started to like break it down because <laughs> I got bored one day. <laughs> so I described the show as being dark gas lamp fantasy. And gas Ooh, lamp like implies um, being more Victorian. Right. Like, it's not just it's not magic before. lamp fantasy. It's well, gas there's, lamp. There's, yeah, there's still there's still a fantasy and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, yeah, very Victorian. Like guns are a thing. Right. I have a gunslinger. Um, well, I had a fighter that was a battle master and is now going to be a gunslinger because subclass changes are fun. Um, that was story related to, um, <laughs> which was like, okay, now I got to write this in. Uh, yeah. So it's, I, I do that dark gas lamp fantasy because that's, what's intriguing to people is that moniker. When you put that in the little quotations, they're like, hmm, question mark. What's gas so, lamp fantasy? Right. Um, when you're. Man, there's a couple of ways that I want to take this. Um, so in homebrewing, something that is in, in more in line with a fantasy but low magic, more Victorian, mm -hmm. but not mm -hmm. necessarily steampunk per se. There are um, only two steampunk cities on the world, so it is a thing, but not yet. Right, right. An up and coming thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Where do you find yourself with the power curve, especially if something like guns, like how, how lethal are guns in your world? Cause I find that to be such a touchy subject that it, that the, the 5e system especially isn't built around. And so like, no, it, it uh, yeah. can be touchy. It can be difficult to deal with. It, it can be difficult to deal with for a lot of people. And the information that they've given has has made anything that is essentially a firearm a little more overpowered than it should be. So one, right. if it's a regular firearm, I dumb it down. Your damage okay. is not going to be what your damage states. Um, but two, for the most part, when it comes down to guns or anything like that, I like to... Like I said, I dumb down the damage, but when... When it gets far enough along for anyone that uses a firearm, I'm like, here, you get a magic pistol that is really low in damage. It is actually balanced properly. Have it. Right. Well, and yeah. it's, it's it's one of those things where I, I think, and it was it was even touchy in that system. So I don't know if you ever messed around with D20 Modern, which was yeah. semi-official. It was built off of the D20 SRD in 3.5. Um, it spawned like modern, future, future tech, and a couple of others. Uh, but I probably they, uh, have ultra modern the, five and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, no, I think it was just D twenty modern and D twenty future were the two the two big ones. Very great covers. I don't remember who published them. Um, because it wasn't Wizards; it was outside. I don't think it was Kobold. I might have to check. Mm, 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 no, I, I do know D20 Modern. I have seen some of it, but I've just got a bunch of resources on my computer. I'm like, do I have it? No, I have Ultra Modern, which is more. Oh, no, it was published by Wizards. Yeah, so it was published by Wizards. They did some weird stuff, though, because they they and it, I think it was interesting. But like the gun rules were if you dealt damage equal to or greater than uh, a character's constitution score they could take a lethal blow from it regardless of their hit points but weapons also could do like 4d12 like an assault can yeah. an assault weapon was like 4d2 so it's like you're gonna deal more damage than somebody's constitution it's a very lethal way to bring in guns i was like i, I could see maybe lowering the damage but including the damage threshold or 
I don't know. It's hard to you can't you can't just like multiply the damage threshold just to get dice. But it, yeah, it worked. I, I put it in a way that it works. So you either get a magic pistol of some sort that does something lower grade or guns are still new enough that sometimes, you know, your gunpowder is faulty or your flint doesn't go off. Right. So right. That's how you we kind of like account for those treating it more like a normal a bow and arrow that deals different types of damage or more damage, but is otherwise yeah. as far as rules are concerned, not yeah. anything super special. I mean, I'd still have to deal with it on a, on a game to game basis. If it's like, Hey, I gave you magic pistols. They're decent. Is the special ability too much? I don't know yet. We'll see. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's learning. Even for me, it's learning it's every it's, single time. Yeah. Cause even I, I think made that's some something decisions that... where it goes, was this the right thing to do? Did I just overpower the party? I don't know. Oh, man. Lord. The number of times that like, because I want to give players cool magic weapons. I want to give mm -hmm. them cool moments and 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 fun gear that has quirky abilities. And I don't always realize that I'm handing out monkey paws <laughs> every yeah. just left and right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it wouldn't be Dungeons and Dinners if we didn't spend at least a bit of time uh, talking about your relationship to food. So whether it's in-game or out-of-game, uh, what is your history and relationship with that thing that we all consume? Um, I spent eight and a half years in the culinary industry to start with. All right. Uh, so my relationship with food is very personal on a level that like that but in in ttrpgs i do like to put that excess on food or drink in the story as well like that sensation somebody gets when they can smell their food coming mm -hmm. when they see it when it makes their mouth kind of water i try to recreate that in the story as best i can but like with the way that i describe food and how it smells but to me it's important I figured yeah. that the, those little bits of like satisfaction for the player to see a good meal, I think are important. Yeah, important I think in it's real life. I think that uh, as much as describing how amazing food is in the tavern, I always try to describe how terrible rations are. <laughs> because it offers that counterpoint right like mm -hmm. you're in a tavern it's supposed to be that like moment of rest you've been adventuring for a week or whatever you finally got a good a shower and a place to sleep and good food but to reiterate that and to make that feel to again like engage the feelings for the player it's not every time but every now and again dropping that hint that like you guys set up camp for the night and man you're getting real sick and tired of stale bread and picking the mold off of jerky or something you know like it just it doesn't have to be horrible it's still palatable it's still a ration but it is not gourmet our monk has the chef feet so they don't eat very crappily too often <laughs> so Fair they enough. actually they actually like can do decent on the food so it's like anything that incurs travel in that meeting i'm just like yashani makes your food she knows how to cook <laughs> she deals with it and then our the, the the player will actually describe some of the stuff she makes too so oh that's super awesome she, she takes it a bit serious in that respect and her backstory involves like a character that used to cook and all this kind of stuff so it's it's more not more important for me as it's important for a player now too so we both have this connection food's important and somewhere in the mess of my bookshelf i do have the ravenloft cookbook Hey, there you go. Because I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, why not? So in you were a a you know eight years in the culinary world uh, uh -huh. is not an insignificant amount of time. Uh -uh. And you at least for a while had some home games. So were you the purveyor of snacks or the judger of snacks? Um, I I did sometimes make snacks when I had time. Actually, yeah, I was a GM for the most. I've been a GM for the longest amount of time. So I was usually the purveyor of snacks because if my mother taught me anything, it's feed people when they come over and hoard plastic bags. That, yes, very much so. Why? I don't understand. I can yeah. guess your generation now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, yeah, no, I was always making snacks. Not like anybody else would bring snacks, but it'd always be like box of candy, bag of chips or whatever right. like that for extra stuff. But I'd... I'd I'd go the the extra and like make I used to make like apple cinnamon cookies. Um, I 
I make this concoction called the meat muffin. It's really, really, really thin pizza dough, like super thin. And then you roll it, like roll it around pulled pork. And then you put that into like a muffin tin and it'll bake, look like a little muffin, but it's like stuffed with pulled pork. So Ooh. I made pulled pork portable. Uh, <laughs> I love it. It's great. But I used to make those a lot of the time too. Just, just heartier kind of stuff. Cause when we used to play on the weekends, like in home, you know, those games would run seven, eight hours back when we were teenagers. Now uh, the three and a half hours I do on a Tuesday is good enough. Right. Like that's allocated enough time. <laughs> so you also mentioned uh being a Canadian, and as not from the Great North, uh, I am definitely well into the States and have not yet traveled that magical border. I have to know, uh what is your opinion on the Tim Horton donut? <sighs> I've had better. Ooh. You might Honest? get draw. I've heard, and I don't know. So again, I have no idea, but I've heard that is a contentious statement to make. <laughs> Tim Hortons used to be better. I will say that. Outright. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. They they used to make their stuff in house properly. Now everything comes frozen. Um, yeah, I've had better, but Tim Hortons is one of those things. It's just so abstractly Canadian that everybody thinks, you know. Tim Hortons is good. I mean, it's okay. It's not bad. They, I'm pretty sure they're using buttermilk for cream. Like their cream's a lot thicker than normal. Right. And all these other kind of things to it. I personally, now I just do my coffee at home. Yeah. 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 But I will state if you're doing any road trip in Canada, you will stop at a Tim Hortons first. It is like a, it's like a rule. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> but I've had like, Tim Hortons, uh, Tim Hortons donuts. I've been to the States a couple of times, so I've had like Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme right. and all that other kind of stuff. So I Krispy Kreme donuts are pretty good, in my opinion. I mean, they're a, a, a traditional glazed. I mm -hmm. will give Krispy anything else. And really, to be fair, a traditional glazed Krispy Kreme is funnel cake batter in the shape of a donut with yeah. like and and it may just be marinated in sugar like they may use just like a sugar brine or something on the dough it because it's just it is just white it, it's almost cotton candy colored like a donut yeah. <laughs> like, but i i i'm not big on like the whole like sprinkles and all the other stuff kind of yeah, donuts. neither am i give me something solid that i know is not great for my age and my health at this point no and let me be okay with that <laughs> So talking about things that aren't great for age and health from Canada, uh, what's your what's your take on poutine? I mean, poutine's really, really good if you get it done right. Yeah. There's a lot of people that just go, okay, fries, gravy, and like chunks of cheese. No, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. The proper cheese for poutine is like the curded cheese and it's squeaky. It, it like if you rub it together, it will actually squeak and make this like specific noise. But Poutine done right, so good. There's one place in Edmonton where I used to live that's called La Poutine that have like 25 different kinds of poutine. But we're talking, oh. you can have like bacon, <laughs> beef, all that kind of good stuff. It's really good and great, but your internal system is not going to be appreciative of it the next day. <laughs> well, that it's makes not. it good. That yes. means it's good. It's that to me it sounds like good. poutine to me sounds about as close as like Canada gets to southern cooking of like just as unhealthy for you as humanly possible. Hmm. Um, I mean, I I've had a proper American Monte Cristo that's like dip <laughs> dunking and deep fried and you're that's going right. Serve All it right. with Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> you can feel it sitting in your stomach, right. and you're like, I know I ate, that's for sure. <laughs> Did I eat a brick? I might have. And that's how you know it's good. There's going to be a brick tomorrow, probably. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've I've had I've I've met some people that come like out of like Louisiana and stuff like that that have made me food, and you're like, this is great, but this is heavy, and there's a mm -hmm. lot of it. <laughs> Well, you don't leave. After. You don't leave my house hungry. No, you don't leave my house. You leave my house in a coma. That's right. 
That's how my family taught me how to cook. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I I have I have since learned to try to include salads. Um, <laughs> you, don't make, you don't make friends with salad here. It's true. It's true. You don't. <laughs> but you can also fry spinach, and fried spinach is a dandy bed to put under a steak. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you are, it you doesn't are have to. It can be green and still be unhealthy for you. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. I mean. You can fried spinach. You can do your asparagus. You can do all those fun kind of things. I'm actually like, you know, the last like couple of years, I've really become prone to like Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are amazing in my opinion. I, you know, it's one of those things that culturally I was, I just didn't like them because that's what you do in mm-hmm. every cartoon in the nineties is like Brussels sprouts. Ew. Yeah. And, and I, I like had them for like the first time, like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago maybe during quarantine even. And I was like, these really aren't that bad. Like who, like if you do them right, if you like braise them and bake them and oh, yeah. maybe you know, throw them with some potatoes some salt and pepper or something in there, oh, like so good. Be really so good. good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why? I was really mad at how much I was lied to about how terrible Brussels sprouts were. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean like I got three stepchildren, right? So I see, how kids' palates are. And I'm like, you guys don't even understand food. <laughs> I'll like make food and they're like, I don't like it. And their mom's just like, what are you talking about? This is delicious. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just, I don't know. Kids don't understand food. Like how no, I didn't to taste. I, I didn't, really either, didn't either. But I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I didn't have the greatest. My mother ever listens to this. I'm sorry, mom. You're not a good cook. <laughs> um, every, thing i gotta eat as a kid was a little overdone meat was always well done stuff was always a little burnt so i was like it's gotta be better than this right are you the are you the main purveyor of food in your house are you the main cook or uh 50 you split 50. that duty hey good yeah. gets good for you me and the spouse split duties. I mean, I'll cook for us. I don't cook for the kids. They're not right, there yet. Right. I'm not wasting that effort to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. You make them craft dinner or whatever it is, but I'll, I'll make us food, you know, three, four days out of the week. Cause nice. I don't cook as a job anymore. Right, right. Suddenly it, things change when you don't have to do it. It's a lot easier to enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't go to work and cook for eight hours a day. That means I don't want to come home and cook. Literally, it doesn't. Right. It was terrible. So um, we've hit on, uh, you know, a, a lot of topics today from from your show uh, to the YouTube, which is also packed with content that uh, is not just dumps of your Twitch stream. It is edited. It's clean. I really appreciate the content that you put out there um, from that uh, to cooking to Canadian food. Is there any topics that we haven't hit on today that you would like to discuss more? Hmm. Entire like not entirely. I mean, we pretty much talked about everything that would be significant. The only the only thing that I would say adding on to that is for anybody that listens to this that intends to homebrew your own world in whatever context you desire, don't go bonkers with it. Because your players will write half of it for you. Those are incredibly wise words and uh, good players will 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 help write them for you. <laughs> yes. It, mm. I, I actually I hesitate to say that. I think the, the with the right encouragement, any player can help mm. you there. That's a little bit. I don't I don't want to. I, I take that back. I, it's it's not it. This is not a distinguisher between good and bad. I think with the right encouragement, with the right can. encouragement, like you got people that aren't big into writing uh, backstories or anything like that. You know what? If you give me at least a two-page backstory, I'll give you a magic item. There you go. You no, know, just yep. just en- encourage people, and you'd be surprised what some people can come up with. Yes, I got lucky when I blind auditioned a bunch of people that were already writers and very creative people to begin with. So, what I got for backstories was well, a lot. <laughs> and it was to the point where it's like hey i'm taking this i'm stealing this i'm stealing this this mm-hmm. is mine this, this is, is now pl- yep, this is all mine all mine i get to take it and kill your loved ones um no but yes with the right encouragement 
you can do so much more than you thought when it comes to writing with the right encouragement for backstory and all that other kind of stuff. Um, now, this doesn't mean that if you are a player that you should use this as a bargaining chip against no. your DM either. No, no, <laughs> no, not don't, at all. We don't, need, we don't need you taking that from this conversation. <laughs> I'd hope not. Don't Dungeons abuse and your DM. Said, Dungeons and Dinners said that I should blackmail my DM. <laughs> don't, don't, don't blackmail your game no, master no. or your dungeon master. They game master can do work. far worse things than simply kill your character. That's for yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I've done far worse than kill a character. I killed one, brought it back to life. Killed one, brought it back to life. Killed one, brought it back to life. She mm -hmm. she poked the bear and she you know she flirted with the devil, so she got she got the comeuppance on that one. Was she a bard? No. no, she's not. She's the gunslinger. <laughs> she's she's the non-binary storm denazi. We don't have a bard, but she's the one that's hitting Doesn't on sound people. Sounds like you need one. <laughs> no, I put a, I put a, I put a taunt in there of somebody like early on, right? I'm like, this is going to be an antagonist, but I'm just kind of like floating the image in their mind so they can be like, oh yeah, we remember seeing her, right? Yeah. No, I do the taunt, do one more taunt, and they're like, I'm going to go up and talk to her, and I'm going to flirt with her. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> okay, okay. And this is how here? we started an evil campaign right out the gate. <laughs> no, and it... <sighs> how do I explain this? I, do... I, made, I made a villain I don't even like playing because she's that crazy. Ooh. Well, don't explain too much. Instead, I would I would expect everybody to go look up another bad side quest, follow another BS quest on Twitter. Links down in the description for YouTube, uh, Twitch, Twitter, other social accounts, other types of media. All of it's out there. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for joining, and best of luck to you. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful talking with you, and thank you for listening, everybody. So that's all for the episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, consider clicking that star rating or drop a review in your podcast app of choice to help boost the algorithm gods and get this podcast to more people. All of the links and contact information discussed can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch, you'll find that I'm most active on Twitter at and dinners. That's A-N-D-D-I-N-N-E-R-S. If you're interested in supporting the show, or you want to have access to the entire back catalog of exclusive bonus mini-episodes like today's mini-sode with Darren, where we talk about switching classes mid-campaign, symphonies, metal, warehouse parties, and necromancer spellbook shrunken heads, or if you just want to keep this podcast ad-free, consider tossing a few coins over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. If you're looking for other great podcasts to listen to, check out my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why video gaming matters, co-hosted by myself and my dear friend Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is this secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.